great pleasure to be here with uh, Brian Parks, CEO of Jam Factory in Adelaide, one of Australia's premier craft and design organisations. And uh, Brian and the Jam Factory have been very busy over the years with some quite substantial touring exhibitions, uh, which have focused on materials uh, with the subtitle Art, Design, Architecture. And given the, the scale of that venture over the last few years, it seems important to get a sense of the vision behind it, uh, how these shows emerged and uh, what they might tell of uh, Australia and its craft and design capacity and uh, where it might, might be going. Now, Brian, you've had a very long uh, career uh, in curating, I think going back to 1995 in Tasmania uh, with uh, around 15 or so exhibitions and uh, some quite similar ones, particularly when you were the curator at the uh, at Object in Sydney. Uh, exhibitions like uh, beginning with Dinosaur Designs, Woven Forms and of course Freeform, which was the, the Olympic kind of vision of uh, Australian craft and design style and aesthetic. Uh, and but since you've joined the the Jam Factory as CEO in 2010, uh, you've been involved in a, in a number of uh, quite substantial exhibitions. Uh, the first of which I believe is is Wood. Is that right? In 2013. Yeah. Uh, now that was the beginning of this series, as far as I can tell. Can you can you say something about? Uh, uh, the thinking about its emergence, what prompted it? Of course. And um, in fact, it, it's quite interesting. In, in uh, When I applied for the job here at Jam Factory, you know, nearly 10 years ago now, um, it was an idea that I pitched in my interview. I did, as one often does, a bit of, a bit of work on thinking about a vision for what I would bring to the place. And um, I was interested in the idea of touring exhibitions and their value, having done some, as you say, at, at Object. Uh, and I looked at the Jam Factory and I saw these four incredible studios that it works across, and that's the glass, ceramics, furniture, and what we call metal and jewellery. And uh, so I, I pitched this idea of a series of major exhibitions that would have all the sort of gravitas of those big shows with tours and publications and, and I saw the Visions of Australia program as the as the vehicle through which that would be possible and it had had significant uh, success with grants in that program through through my work at Object. Um, thought I had a formula reasonably well figured for, for building support for those programs. Um, and what I was interested in doing was looking at the material history of the Jam Factory, its craft-based material history and those great workshops that it, that it has, and looking at the new opportunities, um, both culturally and commercially. So the role I have as CEO is, 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 is one of looking out for the, um, the artistic endeavour of the organisation, but also trying to shore up its, its uh, viability. and. Um, it seemed to me that the organisation needed to make more friends in other places to look at new ways of building support. And that might be 
architects who might want to work with the organisation. It might be artists who might want to commission things in the studios. It might be um, a range of different types of practices. And so I saw the opportunity to build some really interesting exhibitions that could be strategically valuable for the organisation, um, but also make a point about the importance of those materials and the skills, the craft skills that under, underpin the use of those materials uh, into a kind of contemporary debate. And, um, you know, in some ways there had been exhibitions and, and some terrific exhibitions in the past in Australia that have focused on a material, um, many of them through a fairly singular lens um, around the particular kind of paradigm that comes out of some of the university courses and so on. Um, and I wanted to kind of explode that out a little more. Right. And so your choice of wood, wood as wood, the wood first the uh, material? Um, it was kind of the low-hanging fruit, the, you know, opportunity really. And, um, you know, in some ways the furniture wood type space is where there were already some pretty good kind of uh, crossovers, understandings, collaborations across the art, craft, design, architecture kind of boundaries. Um, and uh, so it seemed like a kind of sensible place to start because the connections were kind of more in place. Um, I was also interested that each exhibition might in its physical manifestation exemplify some aspect of the focus of the exhibition. So obviously for wood, the idea that all the material, all the exhibition display furniture would be finely crafted from wood and uh, all these sorts of things. So it, it seemed like an easy one to, with the furniture studio is where we make all of that material. So it's kind of like a, a way to showcase the diverse nature of the organisation as well as, as, as some of that, um, you know, more strategic stuff around connecting to new types of audiences and exhibitors. Mm. So you had that diversity of, of art, like I think uh, Hussein Bellamanesh, um, Catherine Truman in, in jewellery, as well as ARM and architecture. Uh, what, what did you learn from that experience that you could then take to the next iteration? Yeah, and, and it has been an iterative process, absolutely. Each, I think each show has evolved from the learnings of the previous one. I think, and, and as too did the Wood Project learn from projects like Freestyle and other things that came before um, around, you know, the, the kind of template, if you like. Um, but certainly the idea in developing the shows to kind of build around a nucleus of exhibitors that exemplified what we were talking about. So some of those names you mentioned for Wood were you know, I, I think we, we locked down six exhibitors as exemplars of what we were trying to achieve. And that's, you know, we, we applied for funding on the basis of that. We then spoke to other potential exhibitors on the basis of that. And, um, you know, I think from memory, um, Hossein Valmanesh was certainly one of them. Kai Lu was one of them. Um, I think John Wardle, the architect, might have mm -hmm. been as well. So, Again, we were looking across the art, design, architecture fields and looking, um, you know, in terms of the Australian practice. And we wanted specifically to focus on Australian practice. Um, and, you know, 
I think, um, and I, th those are those are all uh, men. But of course, Catherine Truman was also um, part of that initial six. And uh, you know, we were always thinking about issues of, of, of gender and other diversity. But um, and, and I'm I'm thrilled that um, across the shows we've we've been able to kind of get some pretty interesting uh, social cultural age as well as the discipline mixes um, mm. tells a better story of the practice. So it was co-curated with Elliot Rich as far That's as right. I can That's right. So the, the, the best thing I did um, was to engage someone to work with on, on that project and Elliot happened to be um, in Adelaide. I knew she was coming to Adelaide. Uh, her partner at the time was doing some work around uh, shoemaking. And um, and I, I knew of Elliot, and uh, basically just offered her the opportunity to come and co-curate that show and and uh, give her a spot to sit for a couple of years. Um, they're quite substantial projects. So you, you mentioned at the start that they're, they're, there's a scale. So each each show has had around a quarter of a million dollars of visions funding. Uh, invested into it, as well as significant other resources from sponsors and and our own um, input. Uh, you know, twenty. I think in that first one there were maybe twenty seven exhibitors or something. Uh, each one's had between sort of twenty one and twenty eight exhibitors, um, and uh, just the kind of you know looking after those relationships properly um, on top of the role of running Jam Factory was never going to work. So uh, sharing that load. But also I learned a great deal from Elliot. And, and in fact, I think that that the light touch in terms of the um, interpretive information in the exhibition and the resistance to use a lot of digital stuff um, in that first show were, were things I would owe strongly to Elliot. Um, you know, and we've, we've had... Uh, there are a number of things that, that we did in that first show. So we, we worked with Stephen Goddard, who's a Sydney-based graphic and exhibition designer, and um, we used the exhibition design as a professional development opportunity for associates in our furniture studio. So there was a wonderful collaborative process um, that resulted in a pretty terrific outcome. Um, so we tried to maintain that as a methodology for each of the future shows. Um, and in fact, you know, we worked with Stephen on each of those shows and um, he, in fact, is the consistent link through all four shows and, and designed each of the publications, which are a really important kind of legacy outcome. So in that first one, while the exhibition focused exclusively on Australian content, we wanted the publication to put the Australian work in a broader international context. So we engaged writers to, to look at the material from a range of different perspectives. So I think we had five writers, each in, in, including um, Elliot and myself, I think, uh, to to kind of create essays that framed the the, the conversation, uh, and then profiles on each of the exhibitors that kind of you know did the usual sort of exhibition catalogs. Mm. They're quite substantial publications, I must they, say. Uh, but uh, I've continue. Got I've got the file yes. on the desk here. <laughs> Good. Yes, I hope the desk is strong enough. Uh, continuing with the partnerships, uh, obviously Margaret Hancock, Hancock Davis has been a key 
person in the development, particularly of the, the following exhibitions. And I Correct. think the next one in 2015 was Glass, which has an obvious connection to the Jam Factory as well. Correct. And it was the obvious second choice. Uh, in some ways, Jam Factory's Glass Studio is its best known um, and, and, and largest scale in terms of, of um, you know, activity of, of our studios. And so uh, it was nice not to have started with Glass. It would have been, you know, a little too... Um, you know, close to home. Close to home. But I think it was the sensible second choice. Um, and by then, um, I guess, you know, what, what, I, what I had wanted to do was continue with Wood some of the kinds of things that I'd been interested in in terms of an approach to exhibition development and programming. And um, Margaret was you know, in, in involved and, and, and across what was happening with the Wood Show. Um, but it, it, it would be, you know, um, foolhardy to say that it, there wasn't a, a clear expectation that, that, that she would then pick up uh, on that and um, help massage it into an even better form with, with her experience. Uh, and so we collaborated very effectively, I think, on the Glass Show and to her great credit, and, and you know, again, it's the shortcomings of having uh, someone whose who's, who's job is um, across a broader range of things, co-curating an exhibition. You know, it's, it's probably not very smart. It meant that Margaret had to do a lot more work, and I've been at pains to acknowledge uh, her disproportionate uh, work on that and, and subsequent shows. Um, her long experience with Jam Factory, so she's been with us for 15 years now, also meant that she understood the glass scenario um, much more deeply, I think, than, than I did at the time. Um, and some of the best creative conversations I've had were in that, the development of, of that show. And again, trying to open up the strategic opportunities, as well as trying to create a show that would help people from different parts of the art, craft and design and architecture fields uh, see things a little differently. So, you know, how, how might one, you know, a good example is, is, you know, the way that Blanche Tilden's work references architecture um, and, you know, you start to think about jewellery as architecture for the body um, or, or you start to kind of see jewel-like details in architecture, like the beautiful Sam rebuilding um, that Woods Baggett uh, did, both both projects featured in that show. So you start to get this much more playful stuff, and, and I think um, there was a little bit of that in wood, but more in glass, thanks to Margaret's input. Mm. Yes, and then came what perhaps is a surprising uh, choice, I believe, is Concrete, the next one, in 2000. Uh, steel. 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 In, in 2017, right. and um, I, I should note too that, that you know the Wood Show uh, was originally scheduled for 2012, and we postponed it for a year because it was harder to pull off than I imagined in the first place. So we got into the rhythm of 2013, 2015, 2017, 2019. The idea that these would be biennial projects, um, each touring for more than two years, so you end up with multiple of them out there. Mm. In the um, but Margaret, to her great credit, came to me. So, the, the, you know, we, we had anticipated, and my original idea um, in terms of, you know, 
like job application uh, was to kind of do each of the studios and um, the discipline, the, the materials related to each of the four studios. Uh, Margaret quite rightly said, well, it's a bit too obvious. And actually with metal, you know, there's so many metals, right? But, and there've been great shows. Um, if you think back um, on aluminium, great show that Form did. Um, there've been terrific gold and silver shows out of, out of uh, RMIT and other places. Um, and at the time, a lot of, so Christian Hall was the creative director of our metal studio at the time. Uh, a lot of the focus of his work and some of the production coming out of the studio was stainless steel. Um, and uh, so Margaret, um, and, and, and in terms of the architectural context and understanding, steel made a lot of sense. So, and um, I uh, was, was also kind of, you know, uh, thinking that it was, Probably important for me to step away a little more and give Margaret more more uh, scope to flex her curatorial muscle. So she um, did that show uh, solo, and um, and it's terrific, and it's you know currently still touring. Um, and again, it, it had all of those lovely kind of plays between the different topologies of work, um, and you know some deep, wonderful kind of craft skills but also some really clever engineering and almost kind of science um, pushing the boundaries, you know, both, both um, practically and conceptually. So things like um, Sean O'Connell's kind of, you know, um, explosions of steel and the kind of capturing uh, the, the kind of sparks photographically as being much, as much about steel and, and understanding the sort of alchemy of the material through to um, the uh, wonderful little coffee machine that the, the stainless steel kind of um, and I'm having a mental blank on the name but um, it, it's it's a terrific project where the um, the designer worked with uh, um, scientists from CSIRO and other and other engineers to kind of get the uh, material to kind of work in the way that it needed to as far as I can recall, Brian, there's, there's often Indigenous artists in these exhibitions. Uh, and oh. I think it was Lorraine Connolly Northey in the Steel exhibition. What, what do you think they bring that is unique to this mix? So, yeah, and look, it has been um, a deliberate kind of part, part of the um, conceiving of the shows. Um, and, you know, if, if we're talking about looking at material cultures in Australia, as these projects purport to do, um, you know, we, we need that to be an inclusive conversation and um, without being a token one. So, you know, we've, we've had projects, so in, in, um, in the glass exhibition, we had the work of Yuani Scarce, for example, um, you know, and in concrete, we've got uh, Megan Cope's beautiful uh, cast concrete oyster shell midden work. Um, so these are, you know, artists who are working in those materials, and, and Lorraine Colling, all these you mentioned, who are working in these materials, making exemplary work, um, but bringing a very different narrative and cultural perspective to those materials. So I guess in each of those instances, that's what we were trying to do. Um, and, and you know, th there are also kind of people who, who've come from other cultural backgrounds whose, whose backgrounds have informed 
the interest in or use of the particular material. So um, I think to have not been um, determined in selecting those artists, I think we would have been omitting something important from the story of those materials in this country. Sure. Well, you mentioned concrete and we finally get around to it. I mean, your shows are on the road so long, it's hard to always understand which one was before the other. But uh, now it's concrete true. is a very surprising one. As far as I know, Brian, there's no studio dedicated to concrete in the um, Jam Factory unless it's the Jam Factory building itself, which Indeed. is... Which actually, in fact, um, is mostly clay. So it's a brick building. Um, and that would have been the obvious fourth show. Mm. Right? Um, and, you know, in terms of the original plan I had was certainly what, what, what we intended to do. And in fact, you know, at, at one point uh, with Damon Moon as, as, as our, um, at that time, uh, head of studio, the idea that, you know, perhaps Damon might have been involved in co-curating. Um, but it, it partly uh, this thing of ceramics enjoying its moment in the sun right now, right? it's never been... It's never been better uh, for, for the ceramics community, both at the kind of higher end and the kind of, um, you know, abject contemporary art ceramics work and the kind of high-end restaurant tableware end. And, and anyone uh, teaching workshops is making a fortune right now because everyone wants to learn how to throw a pot or, or, or build a bust. And um, it's fantastic, right? But... You kind of, you, you know, from a programming point of view, you don't want to be the last person to the party. So uh, ceramics, there have been a number of great ceramic shows again, and, and um, in my old work, Object, now ADC, you know, did a terrific clay show not so long ago that toured extensively. So Margaret, uh, to her inimitable credit, once again, uh, had the idea that if we've done wood, glass and steel, and the steel was the sort of junction point, if you like, that, that suddenly we were into the kind of materials of ubiquity in the built environment. And the other obvious choice then is concrete as the most heavily used in terms of mass and, 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 um, and uh, economics uh, material in our environment. Um, and it was, it was, it was interesting. And, and uh, while we were developing the show, um, there were, uh, Faden produced a book on on concrete. Um, Artisan up in in Brisbane did a little show in conjunction with the architecture um, conference that that happened up there. So suddenly we we, we found ourselves you know um, you know on the sort of cusp of some sort of zeitgeist around looking at concrete afresh. Um, and there were some really interesting debates around um, its its ubiquity, its its environmental impact. Um, you know, its capacity to be used as a fine craft material and and how at odds that is with our day-to-day -day encounter of the material. Mm. So you get to this, uh, this series. Now, I don't know if it's planned to continue this series or not. Perhaps we can get to that later. But uh, with these these exhibitions and listening to you, I get the sense that it was really about sort of growing the the sector, growing the audience, growing the engagement of skill, of Australian skill uh, nationally. And 
Uh, a touring exhibition, obviously, is one that uh, travels around the country to a particular audience, often in regional galleries. Um, and I'm just wondering, from that experience, what, what have you learnt about uh, what appeals to audiences and uh, what what people have learnt as a result of these mm. exhibitions and what you think they've achieved, apart from the, the legacy mountain of books on your desk? Yeah, yeah in fact, um, because yeah, it's a interview, um, you know, this... <laughs> Hold them up to the microphone, as they say, yes. I think there's over a thousand pages there. Um, which right. is a good contribution to scholarship, I guess. But um, now, look, I think they've been enormously popular shows in the regional galleries in particular, um, with most of the venues that have taken one signing up immediately sight unseen, list of artists unknown to, to all the rest in the series, um, which is extraordinary if you, if you think about it. Um, uh, and I think... The accessibility of the shows, so that the in those regional audience, in those regional galleries, the sort of broad audiences that they attract, and the role that those galleries play in those regional communities is quite different to in the larger metropolitan cities. Um, I think that yeah, the simple accessibility, and and I think we find this with with projects that deal in our kind of craft and design space generally. Um, there's, you know, people are less um, perhaps intimidated by by objects of utility and, and, and so forth. Um, but I think this show, this set of shows, because of the um, relationship to built environment and other things, there were there were sort of broader range of entry points for people. So, um, you know, when the steel show was, um, you know. Uh, so I'm actually, I'm actually thinking about the glass show um, was at uh, Lake Macquarie. There were there were people who'd worked in the steel industry um, who were, were fascinated with it because of the materiality. We had a kind of conference there. Um, you know, the the sort of range of people and, and um, you know, from, from trades type you know, building and construction kind of industry people through to, you know, architects and designers, as well as all the kind of usual, you know, art and contemporary art audience. There's this sort of lovely arc. And I think that, that uh, the visitor feedback into those venues was was extraordinary. And so um, I think they felt like they were onto something and were keen to get as many as they could. And, and, and that worked well for us. Um, other things we've learnt, you know, that the importance of activating those exhibitions with public programs. So we've sent, um, you know, or we've provided funds or sent people to each of the venues to um, participate in public programs. Um, we've developed significant education resources for each of those venues to use in their work with schools, um, which is interesting because here at Jam Factory we have a really limited capacity to do any of that. Um, because of the spaces and, and so on. Um, but the regional galleries that we work with in terms of touring venues all have terrific relationships with their local schools and, um, you know, that, that's been a particularly interesting thing. And I'll, I'll, I'll segue to one of the things that, that, you know, this set of projects has led us to look at pursuing in the future, and that is a project that will tour regional Australia 
uh, aimed at um, encouraging careers in craft and design for people at secondary sort of school age. Um, and that might not be a traditional exhibition in, 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 its, in its format. And we don't quite know exactly what, what it might look and feel like. And it might expand into kind of libraries as well as, as, as gallery type because the, the regional libraries network is much richer. Um, but what we've seen from this series of shows is uh, from the feedback in relation to the education stuff is kids talking about having had no idea that they could they could work in these sorts of fields and it's like you know almost a light bulb moment for me it's like you know we're seeing less and less uh, emphasis on the arts in the national curriculum but even less so on on the kind of let's say applied arts um, you know and so these these projects have offered some kind of window into things that are actually quite fascinating and, and otherwise not being seen. Well, that sounds a very promising future direction, Brian, and uh, one I'm sure that will uh, be seen as of great value, particularly when jobs and employment are seen as such an important political uh, currency these days for, for craft and design to see be seen as part of that. But just before we leave the, um, the series, uh, you know, architecture is, is quite a challenging frontier because there you're dealing with a kind of scale in terms of budgets and, and projects that uh, the bespoke world of studio craft seems a, a long way from. Uh, and clearly your exhibitions uh, can play a critical role in informing architects about the capacity of craft skill in Australia and what can be achieved through particular materials, materials that they might take for granted, such as, you know, something that would be going into slab building rather than something which is uh, handcrafted or hand-formed in some way. But apart from just simply informing architects, in your conversations with architects, what, what do you feel are some of the, the barriers that uh, craft and design needs, needs to overcome? Is it a preconception about um, the difficulty of employing a, a, somebody with that sort of skill or... Um, the, the budget involved or just um, the inconsistencies of the handmade? What, what do you feel are yeah. some of the issues that you've had to try and argue as, a, as an ambassador for, for this sector? And I think, you know, I think that's a role that Jam Factory plays is this sort of brokerage between these disciplines and, and whether it's the, you know, contemporary fine arts and craft or whether it's architecture and, and, and craft, we, we, I think, have an obligation to... to play that kind of translator or brokerage kind of role. And, um, you know, for a lot of architects, their work is dominated by the kind of development industry and it's kind of fast and quick and it's all about the bucks. Um, but, you know, good architecture uh, is always trying to push the envelope. And some exciting things that have made a lot of Australian architects, um, you know, think more about, what they're doing and how they're doing it have been things like the increased policy levers as well as kind of client pressures to increase the amount of Australian sourced content um, in whether it's the materials or the things that are specified for the interiors or, or or whatever and that's you know if you like a kind of built environment version of the kind of 
locavore food consumption kind of movement. And um, that's created interesting opportunities for um, skilled manufacturers and craftspeople who, who can deal with bespoke interior items and add value. Um, so that it's not just about price, but perhaps about adding value. Um, and that's certainly some of the kind of conversations I've enjoyed with some of the architects. Um, talking to William Smart, um, a smart design studio, about the opportunity to work with a client like Judith Nielsen on the Indigo Slam house, which is a kind of beautifully crafted sculptural concrete vessel to live in, right? Um, you know, his obsessive kind of turning up to site with his dog at seven o'clock every morning to kind of, you know, with his own hands kind of move things around. You know, like that's a that's an exciting development in in, in architecture that there's this willingness to engage um, you know, architecture by nature is collaborative and cross-disciplinary. You know, it, it, it usually happens in teams. Um, and, and even the famous soloists like Glenn Merkett, you know, the Australian Islamic Centre, um, which we featured in the Concrete Show, all of the beautiful details were only possible because of extraordinary collaborations with, with manufacturers, in particular, um, you know, this... this um, company that, that really were prepared to kind of experiment and prototype around different ways of playing with concrete. Mm. Well, Brian, we certainly need those sorts of skills when it comes to some of the apartments that are going up around our cities in Australia at the moment. And we hope for a much better quality and something which is a lot more pleasing to the eye than, uh, than what seems to be often the case. But now looking uh, as we come to a close uh, in our in our discussion and our chat, um, I'm just wondering, in terms of those exhibitions now, is there anything about them that we haven't covered that you think's worthy of note? Look, I think um, it's been really important. So there's more than 100 exhibitors in in the show, and that um, diversity of practice, whether it's you know some of the finest artists, some of the finest architects, some of the finest designers. Um, you know, it, it's been a, an opportunity to showcase how important the material culture is to those broader disciplines. And, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, there'll, there'll be, and I, I've found this with previous projects, sometimes it's, it's only looking back 10 years after they occur that you realise, oh, yeah, Look at all those things that happened as a result of, of that. And, um, you know, I'm aware of a number of new friendships and new collaborations and, um, and commissions that have emerged from some of the people that have met each other through the projects, and that's really exciting. Um, you know, and I think, you know, stimulating that discussion amongst, you know, kids in terms of the education stuff, I think that the impact of that... Uh, won't be seen for for a time, but um, with with the University of South Australia, we've done a fairly significant symposium in um, conjunction with each of the shows, and um, that's tended to look at the local in the context of the international as well. And I think um, you know we do through our you know location on the globe and its. Um, interesting mix of inputs and its relative isolation 
we do tend to do things in interesting ways. And, and what I've enjoyed from this series of projects is seeing that there is something kind of, you know, intrinsically Australian around um, slightly kind of, you know, maverick approach to not always doing what people always do with the material. Um, and that, that's across each of those genres. Um, and, uh, and that goes back to your freeform thesis in a way, kind of resonates with that yeah, perhaps. I, I think it does. And, and you only start to see some of this stuff in hindsight when you kind of look at it as a body of, of <clears throat> oh yeah, look at, look at these sorts of links. And um, so that may inform some future thing as well. Well, Brian, I look forward to chatting with you again, perhaps in maybe eight years' time or so, when we can see the, the fruit of your the next series of projects for future generations. Thanks very much. Thank you, Kevin. Okay.